You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, Adam Fonseca from GolfUnfiltered.com. Joining me once again is my co-host, Dan Hausler from Golf Unfiltered. Dan, nice to see you again. How's it going? It's going well, man. It's going well. I see that you've got your Cincinnati Reds hat on. You got a big series coming up <laughs> against the Cubs. Uh, you know, friend of the friend of the show, friend of your and I's, uh, Chris. Uh, him and I have already the, the smack talk has already begun. Let's just say that. But uh, oh, they're yeah. the, the Cubs. They're right back in the uh, discussion, not only with the wild card but with the division too. So this thing, uh, we're, we got a fun uh, fun couple days ahead of us here as far as baseball goes. That's for sure. For sure, yeah. Chris and I were able to play golf yesterday together, and. Uh, he wore his Cubs golf polo. He had his bucket hat on. Your name came up once or twice. I'm like, man, you guys got a big series coming up. So that's that's going to be exciting. Uh, us White Sox fans have nothing to cheer for. So I'm just going to us, us Reds fans can relate to that because usually by this time of year, it's like, okay, how long till football season starts now? But uh, uh, we're still plugging along. So it's been exciting. Definitely. All right. So let's talk some golf. We had an exciting tournament over the weekend, the 3M Championship over in Blaine, Minnesota. Uh, Lee Hodges wins over uh, the rest of the group seven shot victory for his first PGA tour win. Uh, did you watch any of the tournament? I will admit I didn't see a shot. <laughs> if it wasn't on Twitter, I did not see it. No. Uh, in my defense yeah. though, on Thursday and Friday, uh, well, Thursday I was in Boston uh, Friday. I was traveling back from Boston. So those two days, you know, kind of, there were some other things going on. Uh, it was my wife's birthday on Friday. So this weekend we were kind of doing uh, her, related birthday activities. So yeah, no, I, uh, I, I don't know how much of I, how much of it I would have watched even if I was sitting on my couch for four days, but, uh, yeah, no, I basically just saw your, your standard social media clips on Twitter. That's pretty much how I, I ingested it too. I mean, it, which is fine. I think that's how I watch most of my golf these days with the exception of the, uh, the majors and, you know, watching the highlights and the shots of the highlights, from Lee Hodges. I mean, it was a dominating performance from a guy that, again, this was his first victory. Uh, he had been around. He's a name that, you know, golf sickos like you and I know. But this is a guy that, you know, he goes out. He's played in a ton of tournaments. He made just this huge leap in all the standings that matter. I, it just made me think, you know, how would I want to win my first PGA Tour event? Would I want to, like tough it out with a one-shot playoff victory or just completely decimate the field? And I'm not sure. How would you land? I don't know. So I feel like if I had that really big lead, I would screw up coming in and then I'd lose that lead because it would just be like, okay, whatever, I'm, I'm good. At the same time, though, from a nerves perspective, one shot's not exactly a lot of fun. I feel like Tiger had it right when most of his career, when he was winning these events, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten shots and just kind of using the, the back nine as a little bit of a victory lap. But uh, yeah, no, uh, it, it was an it was incredibly impressive performance. You mentioned it was Lee Hodges first win. Obviously, that's a name that golf sickos like us know. Uh, it's a name. It's not a name that many other people know. It's certainly not a name that you would expect to win by seven shots, right. uh, regardless of strength of field. It's definitely not a name, you know, so uh, good for him, obviously. If there's ever a time in the in the golf calendar where you kind of want to be quote unquote peaking, it would definitely be right now as we head into the playoffs because you get a, you have a couple of hot weeks uh, this time of year and you can change the trajectory of your entire 
professional golf life if you can make a, a deep run into the playoffs. Absolutely. And Lee Hodges moves up to 33rd in the FedEx Cup uh, point standings, which is, you know, s- securely gets him in the top 70 uh, for the first event. And we'll talk more about that here in a second. I know you know where I'm going with that. But uh, as far as, you know, big wins on tour, the last two weeks have kind of been blowouts, all things considered. I mean, the Open Championship, Ryan Harmon winning by multiple shots. And then, of course, Lee Hodges winning by seven. Uh, What was really interesting, and you pointed this out to me, um, you know, there were a lot of people on on his tail. There were, I think, a three-way tie, four-way tie for second place at 17 under. Lee Hodges finishing at 24 under. One of those names. One of the JTs that we're going to talk about, JT Poston, a uh, little bit of an aggressive, uh, aggressive approach to his final hole. What happened there from your recollection? Yeah, so it, heading into 18, he was in solo second. He obviously finished uh, tied for second uh, with that triple bogey, triple bogey, I believe it was. Yep. 18 is a par five, so eight triple bogey. Yeah, so uh, he was trying to go for the green in two, thinking maybe if he could um, – well, I guess at the time. So if he was, he was at 20 mm-hmm. before that triple. So he's probably thinking if he can get in in two and get an Eagle putt, maybe it puts a little bit of pressure um, on the leader coming down the stretch. Obviously he's trying to get the win. Uh, his second shot hits a rock and bounces way back into the water. He ends up making triple. And so that solo second becomes a tied for second, which I, I don't exactly know when this started, but golf Twitter seems to be infatuated with, how much a shot or two shots may cost a player, <laughs> especially <laughs> on the 72nd hole. Uh, this week, it happened to be Kyle Porter who mentioned that I don't have the tweet in front of me. I think it was $290,000 or something was the difference between a solo second and tied for second. Uh, and so he tweeted that out on Sunday after the round. And we, like I said, we see that a lot these days on golf Twitter. People uh, talk about, you know, mm-hmm. how much they made or, or a golfer might've made or lost uh, on that final hole. Uh, what kind of, made this one a little bit different is we JT Poston actually took the time to respond back. Something that a lot of golfers do not do. And he he basically, yep, there it is right there. And yeah, exactly. He said it right there. He's not trying to come in second. He was trying to get the win. Um, You know, he doesn't regret it. And like, as he said there, I'd make that decision 10 times out of 10, no matter what. So uh, it it was, it was, I don't want to say clap back because that makes it sound like that, you know, there was beef going on, but it was cool to see a player respond back and explain his reasoning and say, yeah, like, listen, you know, I don't know about anyone else, but I'm not out here ever playing for second. I always want to get that win. So I'm going to be aggressive and try to get a 10 out of 10 times. And it didn't work out for me this week, but uh, you know, next time it might. So I thought that was a cool little, uh, we've started seeing more and more with this new generation of golfers that they're more um, interested in, being open on social media or just, you know, being community communicative on, mm-hmm. on social media. JT Poston's a big one. Max home is a big one on social media. Uh, so it's been kind of cool because they let, they kind of share with us their mindset almost in real time, which is Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. That's still the one thing that it's good for these days is you do get real time reactions to things. If you can find it in your timeline, but if you can, right. uh, you can still get real time reactions to stuff. So. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, with all the changes in social, it's almost hard to kind of keep up with it. But what you say is very true. And we were talking a little bit about this before we hit record. You know, there is that element of, you know, guys like us or or the the larger accounts, of course, you know, no laying up Kyle Porter, of course, at CBS and others. They want to get that reaction. So I'm not sure if it's 
you know, purposeful or if they're just throwing anything out there just to get a reaction. But these these tour players are responding to it. And certainly JT Poston, not somebody who typically does that. I, I mean, not that I've seen, but names like you said, Max Homa. I think Michael Kim has been very active as of late for some reason. It just seems like it comes in waves. But, you know, what, what JT, is your stance? Justin Thomas. Yeah, Justin Thomas, which we'll get to him here in a second, yeah, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what's your your thought on this whole element? I mean, I know that you are active on Twitter, um, but you correct me if I'm wrong. I don't see you like tweeting at a lot. And I don't do this either. Tweeting at a lot of stars. I mean, it seems like a matter of taste, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't personally do it. Uh, I will say that I do enjoy especially in the sports world, when some of these athletes do respond back to those Twitter accounts that do, you know, whether it's call them out directly or, or tweet at them or mention them in a, in a tweet that gets back to them, uh, because it is nice to see it, it. At the end of the day, these athletes are human beings, just like we are. They have thoughts, they have right. feelings, they have opinions. And so it's kind of cool when you and, and I think that was one of the biggest appeals of Twitter in its early days. And up until Elon took over, it's that you could have some random Joe Schmo like you or I on there and in our mentions or just in a same tweet could be a LeBron James or it could be mm-hmm. a JT, you know, it could be anyone. And so really there, everyone is kind of equal from that standpoint, as far as everyone is sharing their thoughts and opinions. And it's nice to kind of get some behind the scenes. Like I should mention, it's nice to get some kind of behind the scenes thoughts from these people in real time. Cause it used to be, we'd have to wait for a press conference or would a reporter go chase them down and ask them a couple questions or, you know, would, you know, would, would something come out about it in the newspaper, maybe three or four days later, or even the next week at the next event. So the fact that basically five minutes after it happened, JT Poston is on Twitter responding back to Kyle Porter, explaining exactly why he Mm -hmm. did it and his reasoning behind it. I I think for the average golf fan or sports fan out there, it's a really cool thing. Unfortunately, you know, whole nother discussion for a whole other time you know twitter x whatever you want to call it now is not quite that platform that it used to be anymore but every once in a while we still get that little glimpse of a reminder of what it used to be and we still can get some cool little nuggets or tidbits from some of these uh some of these athletes absolutely and these these athletes especially in the case of jt poston and others they got to play hard i mean the playoffs are right around the corner uh august 10th which I believe is next week. If I'm or yeah. pretty darn this week close. is yeah. the last week of the regular season with the Wyndham, and then we were right onto the playoffs. Absolutely, coincidentally, my birthday, Daniel. I don't. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I can't believe it's coming up. Um, <laughs> but there's one name who certainly is is outside of the playoff cut right now. The top seventy get into the FedEx um, in the first round of the FedEx, which is uh, coming up very quickly. Justin Thomas, the other JT, we've talked about him in a couple episodes recently, not playing well, misses the cut in Minnesota. He has fallen down to 79th. Obviously, there's a lot riding on not only his season, but also some Ryder Cup aspirations. Someone who has played in the Ryder Cup, who has played well, in the Ryder cup. Uh, what's going on with JT, man? We talked about it last week. Uh, what sense can you make out of this? You know, we, we kind of assumed that he was uh, entering the three M to kind of get things right. So he could kind of guarantee his spot in the playoffs and maybe, you know, help convince Zach Johnson to throw him a, a captain selection. Then he goes and misses the cut. Now he's entered into the Wyndham this week uh, to in theory, try to do the same thing. Um, you know, I, I understand his logic on trying to enter in all these tournaments at the very end to try to make his case. 
unfortunately for him, it's doing it's making his case, but in the wrong direction. Um, The fact that he's entering into these smaller statured events, uh, obviously, the fields are not they're not it's not a um, elevated event. It's not a major. So you're you're getting a lot of these weaker fields, I guess you could call it. I mean, professional golf, there's no such thing as a weak field, but weaker fields and he's not only not dominating he's not even making the cut in them so it's 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 as the weeks go by it's making he's not doing himself any favors it's becoming harder and harder to justify zach johnson giving him a uh a a captain selection and then of course if he doesn't Mm -hmm. even make the playoffs you know he's gonna then have to rely on some help to get into some of these elevated events even next year whether it's sponsored invites or exemptions or whatever it may be because um yeah, you you have to make the playoffs in order to even have a shot at those elevated events starting next year. That's the new you know rules that they have right. been, you know made. So, yeah, he's he's I I don't know the exact scenarios for this week. Uh, obviously, making the cut is the bare minimum. I'm sure, probably a top twenty five finish is in. He would have to do you know finish in order to really guarantee that he gets into that first playoff event. Um, like yeah. I said, I, I don't know the scenarios. We'll, we'll we'll see when they come out. But it, you know, mis- uh, making the cut is just the start, and then I'm sure from there he'll have to put some rounds together on the weekend to solidify uh, any chance of making the playoffs. One of my favorite moments from the weekend was uh, on on X or Twitter or whatever, and I was just scrolling and I saw Justin Thomas chiming in about watching the U.S. Seniors Open, uh, British Open. And he's like, wow, yeah, it's crazy watching these guys just get beat up. You know, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember what the tweet was. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, bro, you missed the cut in Blaine, Minnesota. Like, I mean, you know what really is fun is when you get to sit home from work and watch golf. You know, it's like, come on. Like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> it's you like know? I'm watching these guys get beat up. Well, we all just watched you get beat up at the 3 <laughs> Exactly. So, exactly. you know. <laughs> you know, and I, it makes me wonder, just a, a, a final thought on this before we segue, but, you know, players who miss Ryder Cup years, you know, those who have played in a Ryder Cup, they miss one, and then they eventually end up coming back because their play improves, of course, for whatever reason. Does that do anything to a player's career, like their legacy? I mean, is JT a two-time major winner himself? I would have to think he's kind of solidified himself in the in the memories of golf fans, but does that do anything to a player's career to miss a Ryder Cup and then to come back? So I think 20 years ago, I think in in the the, the you know Tiger's heyday and even mm-hmm. even a little bit before that. Don't get me wrong. The Ryder Cup is still great. I think it still has an amazing atmosphere. Everyone gets up for it. Um, I don't personally feel like this younger generation looks at the Ryder Cup in the same way that mm. your Ernie L. Well, not Ernie L. He couldn't. He wasn't able to be in it. But you know, what I'm saying your Ian Poulter's yep. and your Tigers and your 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 guys from you know previous generations may have looked at it. I think. I think as far as like the, these this new wave of golf goes, I think that. Class, that Rory class and that Rory age group, I think they're the last who, who, because they were the last who really grew up on it being this right. like drag out all out brawl. And mm-hmm. then this younger generation grew up on the European side, just dominating for what a decade, decade plus it was never even close. So um, does JT want to play on this Ryder cup? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. I'm sure he sure. does. If he doesn't, is it going to be, Oh well, you're no good at golf anymore, and and <laughs> and we're gonna look at you in different. I don't think so. I think I think these guys, it's the majors to them. So I think I, I 
I don't know this for sure, but I feel like to some of these guys, if you said to them, hey, you could win five Ryder Cups or you could win five majors, I think a lot of them yeah. would be like, give me the five majors. Um, whereas, sure. whereas, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it would have been give me the five Ryder Cups. But um, And there's nothing wrong with that. I, there's a, It's just it's cyclical. We, you, you look at other sports and you look about the, these newer generations and you think about how they came up uh, and what they watched. And then now what they try to emulate or, or how their, their minds are shaped as a professional athlete now based on how they watch, you know, how they grew up and what was going on uh, around them. So, yeah, I just, you know, uh, unfortunately when the European side is winning for 10 straight, you know, decade mm-hmm. plus, and it's, then it's not even close except for a year or two here and there, it's just going to shape, your overall opinion on the Ryder cup as a whole, especially if you're on the American side of things. And it's great now that these guys are coming in and it's competitive again and they're winning, but I don't think that, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I think that they'll take the majors over the Ryder cups at this point. I think you're right. Yeah. I, I still feel that at this point, the individual nature of the sport, of course, being an individual sport itself, it kind of takes precedent over the team. And certainly everyone says, Oh, you're playing for your country or, you know, for Europe or whatever, but in the same token, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, these players want to have the individual accolades for sure. Look, it's, it's, it's like in basketball, these, these, these young guys that are coming up now that are in the last five years or so getting drafted, they came up watching LeBron. So they want to be like mm-hmm. a LeBron for us. It was Michael Jordan. But if you ask these guys, some of them might, might not even know who Michael Jordan is other than being the, <laughs> you know, the owner of the, of the, the Hornets or whatever, or from another thing, but they, they might not even know him as the, dominant player of the bulls that he was so i mean it's it's not directly they just know him. oranges but yeah <laughs> they just know him as the Ryder cup co-captain that yeah, right. shows up every time. <laughs> yeah right but so it's it's not directly apples to oranges but it's similar i mean you know the the Ryder cup for tigers group was a bigger deal i think it was a bigger deal than it is now and i could be completely wrong but i just i it just it that's the vibe that i get overall from from how things are now yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you're too far off. I mean, just the way that the sport has evolved and changed or shifted, you know, whatever term you want to use, it definitely seems, you know, the individual ex- accomplishments and achievements seem to take precedent. And and it's not a bad thing either. I think that it's great mm-hmm. that these guys continue to honor and respect the majors the way they do. I think that's absolutely fantastic because at the end of the day, especially in this current landscape of golf, the majors are the only thing that's really sacred anymore. It's really the right. only thing that we can really enjoy, you know, I mean, not really enjoy more, but it's, it's, it's still the four events a year where no matter what other crap is going on in the world of golf, you still have the masters, you still have the PGA, you still have the U S open, you still have the open championship. So I, I will say that I think it is great that uh, that hasn't changed. And that yeah. uh, even as the generations continue to evolve, that those majors still continue to be respected, revered, and that's what they're shooting for. So before we get into one of the uh, the big changes that was announced last week, uh, just a quick reminder, folks, that we are powered by Bridgestone Golf, uh, this podcast, as well as our website, uh, partners, new partners this year. They, we've worked with them for a while, but now they're officially official. Uh, in addition to our other sponsors that we have, of course, Coghill Golf and Country Club. Thank you to them. They've been long time, our longest time partners. Uh, be sure to go out to CoghillGolf.com to check them out. Sharp Focus Nutrition is another long-term partner. 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 <laughs> they they are great. I mean, if you're not aware of what they offer, uh, essentially, if you want to play your best, you got to put the right things in your body. And so uh, the guys over at SharpFocusNutrition.com have done that. They're actually coming out with a new video series, Dan, which is going to be really interesting for players to uh, kind of fine-tune their game. Uh, they got a lot of great sports psychologists working with them, so be sure to check them out. Last but not least, our friends over at Mizuno Golf 
new partners uh, as of this year. God, it feels like they've been around for a lot longer, but it's as of this year. Everyone knows nothing feels like a Mizuno. They make some of the best irons in the game. Be sure to check them out. I think we've covered everyone now, Dan. So let's talk about our next topic here. Uh, you know, we're just such a big podcast that we've got so many. Hey, I love it. People yeah. people want to keep supporting us, and I think that's awesome. So keep them coming. <laughs> we'll, we'll continue to keep expanding that list if people want to <laughs> continue to help us out. That's right. Um, one of the big pieces of information or news that that broke. Uh, first of all, welcome back to Jay Monahan, friend of the program. <laughs> we love talking to him. He's back in the office. We've missed him. Uh Basically, he announced in a memo to uh, his players, uh, which I'm just going to say it, Dan. I think this was just an olive branch attempt to win over some of the loyalists that stuck around. The PGA Tour is not going to adhere to the model local rule of the USGA's rollback, whatever that means. They've talked about the ball. Could be more than that, whatever. They're just not going to do it. So uh, how did you interpret that when you heard the news? Yeah, uh, same way you did. This is 1,000%. He is now trying to, uh, for lack of a better term, kiss up. Yeah. Uh, he knows that he screwed up. <laughs> he knows that he screwed up and then skipped town for a little bit. Obviously, you know, once again, we're not trying to make light of any of the medical stuff he was dealing with. Obviously, it's it's great that he's back and seemingly back to in good spirits and uh, all is well health-wise for him again, which is great. But yeah, the, the timing of that health issue was not great because all that happened. And then he basically left the players to have to answer all those questions that they didn't have answers to because he didn't really fill them all in before he left. Um, so yeah, yeah it, this is absolutely an olive branch. The, the, we knew from the beginning, the players did not want anything to do with a rollback. Um, obviously the majors are, I think were a little bit more, you know, mm -hmm. okay with the rollback. Uh, the, we, so I think this is just him saying, okay, you guys didn't want the rollback. I need to do something to kind of make good with you all. We won't have a rollback, which will be very interesting because what we may end up seeing, and there's still a long way to go and we still don't know a lot of what it means, but there's a very real possibility that weekly these players will play with their current equipment. Mm -hmm. And then four times a year at these four majors, they're going to play with vastly different equipment, which will, make things very interesting because I mean, a lot of these guys already show up on a major week early, sometimes even the week before to start doing course prep. Uh, they're probably going to have to start doing way more and maybe even show up even earlier. Cause they're basically going to have yeah. to teach themselves a brand new ball for four times a year. So that's going to be very interesting as far as the schedule for the PGA tour works, because if a lot of these guys may might need to take another week to get ready for the major for majors, you know, it's not uncommon that a lot of guys also like to play in the last tour event leading up to a major, but are they still going to want to do that knowing that the ball they're playing the week before is not the ball they're going to play that following week at that major? So, right. Uh, yeah, there's still a lot of questions left to be answered uh, in men's professional golf as a whole. This is just add this one to the list of, okay, so now what? Yeah. Yeah, it just it gets, like every single week, it seems like there's something new <laughs> and that we have to kind of keep up on. So, you know, you and I talked a little bit uh, in our group chat, too. I mean, uh, at this point, I don't know where you stand on this, but I'm like, look, let's just can, can we just make the PGA Tour its own complete, just separate entity in golf? I mean, let's just have TPC courses you know, host these tournaments, you know, they've got a ton of funding now from the public investment fund from Saudi Arabia, go buy a bunch of courses, go buy Cog Hill for crying out loud, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and let's bring them back. And then that way they could use whatever rules they want, just make them the arenas like every other sport, because that is what they've long been saying, they want to be treated like every other sport. I mean, where do you land on that whole thing? 
Well, you you and I actually went deep on it separately the other day. We we in that in our little group chat realized that no one else was buying it on. It. So you're like, you know what? Let's go deep, deep, deep in into this. And so I said to him, yeah, I mean, if clearly there there's gonna something's gonna happen. We live. We don't know what. So why not just basically merge the live live and PGA Tour completely 100% go all in on it the entire PGA tour is now are now teams each team gets their own home course so like you know home stadium in another sport mm-hmm. you, you still keep the normal rotation and so every team every team gets a, a home game each week throughout the year mm-hmm. and just go all in on it just just go all in on it. everyone gets their home game if it's your if your team's got the home course that week you get to control set up on it you get you get to control you know, whatever you want to tee times, how you want to play the, you know, whatever. And just, but go all in. If you're going to do this, do it. Don't like, right. well, we may do it and we're going to do it kind of sort of this way a little bit. And, but then we're not really like either do it or don't. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. just you, the tour has got to figure out something to do with live now. Um, there you go. Just make the entire PGA tour, one giant live team. Give it, like you said, give everyone their own host course, their own home, home stadium, if you will. Um, and then the four times a year, everyone will come to the majors and we'll play real golf. You know, we'll yeah. play real I mean, old school professional golf. And the other weeks of the year, let them be your glorified exhibitions or whatever you want to call them. Um, right. Because that's kind of what it already is, but with the facade of the PGA Tour name on it. The, you're, you're right. I mean, it, it, there's always been this argument, too, where we can't do that because it's always been this. The game that they play is the game that you and I can play. Well, I mean, sorry to break it to you, Dan and listeners. We, we don't play the same game that they play. We don't even use the same equipment, which is another popular argument that we could t- what, what I review equipment cr- like crazy on and I have for many years. This is not me just trying to be like, oh, look at me. I'm I'm the expert here. But seriously, there are prototypes out there that that we you or I will never put our hands on. So the whole argument of oh we play the same equipment as them, it just is it's it's fantasy. So uh, why, the, like you the said, the name is the same. Yes. Do I play a Titleist golf ball, for example? And so, right. Sure. But I promise you that Titleist ball that I'm buying off the shelf at a Dick's Sporting Goods is not the same Titleist golf ball that, you know, uh, Max Home is playing on a, on right. a, on an average PGA tour week. No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. And, and it goes down the list too. I mean, and it's, it's funny because even if that were a hundred percent true, which it's not, but if it were, the the whole customization element of the game, club fitters, everything you can go down the list again. We are not playing the exact same things in baseball, and I know this is kind of a false equivalency, so forgive me. But in baseball, everyone's using the same type of equipment. Everyone's you know using the same baseballs, the bats, all these things. Certainly, there are standards, just like there is in golf. But the the wide array of customization options available in this game that we talk about every week, Dan it already makes it a completely different sport from one player to the next. Yeah. I mean, these tour pros are in literally in the room in these facilities where these clubs and balls are getting made. And you might have 50 guys on tour playing titleist balls and titleist clubs, but I guarantee you that no two clubs are the same. Not a single guy has the seven, seven, same seven iron as any other player on that tour, because everybody has a preference when it comes to lofts, the stiffness or or of a shaft the way the ball feels do you want it to have more spin on it do you want it to go further do you want to have more give on it like it's like like a snow snowflake no two snowflakes are alike no two seven irons on the pga tour are alike that's a good point if 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 no two seven irons on the pga tour are alike there's 
I, there's no way that any of those seven irons are like ones that you and I are playing. <laughs> if, right. they, if they're not even the same for professionals, they sure are not the same for us. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's interesting that they're not going to implement this model local rule where they're going to roll back anything, which, you know what, fine. You know, like you said, let's just let's make the divide specific now. Let's divide the two sports or the two games within the sport, if you want to put it that way. Let us have our thing. Listeners, no one's coming to take your distance away. I feel like that's just another. It's like no matter how many times they say this is not going to impact the amateur game. And I remember, I forget who was saying, I think Michael Kim actually PGA tour pro was say, and I actually did chirp back to this uh, player the other day. He was like, if this is only going to affect the top one, 1.1%, you know, it's going to have this cascade effect and it's going to ruin revenues and blah, blah. No, it isn't. The other 99.9% is going, that's, that's who the game belongs to. We're going to still buy stuff. The, the clubs that are being made for these tour pros aren't even being put on the shelves. So it's not like you can right. say, oh, well, they're going to not be able to make as much money anymore because they won't be. Able... That's that's ridiculous. The, the, the clubs that these guys are playing are not being put on shelves anyway. So it doesn't it it's, doesn't matter. It's not mm-hmm. going to change the clubs that we buy because the clubs that we buy aren't the clubs that are being made for these guys anyway. No, it's not. It really isn't. And, you know, the last thing I'll say about this too is there are some extremely intelligent people that work at these golf uh, companies. They've been on this show. We're friends with the, some of them hat tip to Bridgestone, you know, I mean, let's give them some credit because some of the, uh, the other argument was, you know, Oh, who's going to buy the rollback golf ball? Well, I don't care. They'll figure it out. They've got some good marketing minds. Listen, at it, not to date us, Adam, but you and I are old enough where we basically grew up learning how to play golf with bolada balls. Correct. Uh, <laughs> if they if if I woke up tomorrow and all these OEMs were like, you got to go back to playing baladas again, I'd be like, okay. All right. It'll spin sure. a little more. Whatever. Uh, great. Great. <laughs> it's not uh, okay. It's yeah. not going to affect even 0.1% of my overall enjoyment of the game. And it's not going to change when I go out on a Saturday. Uh, will it maybe add a couple strokes to my game? Sure. But it, with the way I play, I don't. <laughs> what's the yeah. difference if I shoot an 87 or a 90 at that point? Like, okay, <laughs> okay, cool, right? Thanks. I'm still gonna go and play. So you know, it doesn't really matter. I'm not out there trying to shoot a 70. I'm just out there to play and be out there and enjoy the the, the weather and enjoy being out there. So, absolutely. You, what the club you put in my hand and the ball you give me to hit is irrelevant. And I think it is for most of your standard amateur golfers who, like us, are just out there to have fun on a weekend. Correct. And if you're one of those players that are, you know, have professional aspirations, then by all means, you know, maybe there's an avenue that they go and they and they play certain types of things. But it doesn't change the fact that, again, like we've been saying, uh, there's so much customization and so much attention played or paid rather to the way that a golf bag is made up, even down to the golf ball. It's not going to impact everyone else who's actually spending money on the game. So any final thoughts on that whole uh, saga that's still unfolding? No, uh, I think we, we pretty much nailed it. I mean, at this point, if just embrace it, PGA Tour. You know, we talked yeah. about with these live guys where we didn't appreciate the fact that they treated us like we were idiots. Just do us a favor and not treat us like we're idiots. We know that right. you don't. We know you want your own rules. We know you want to do your own thing. So just do it. Just do yeah. it already. <laughs>
Here, here. I support that. That's Dan Hauser. You can follow him at Dan Hauser Golf on uh, Twitter. Uh, pretty much all social media. Uh, you can follow me at Adam J. Fonseca. Twitter X. I mean, I don't know. We we need like a rule whatever. book on what's whatever. It well, is. on on um, my my app, I still have the bird. So I know. Do you really? People are, are are posting that they don't. I haven't gone on yeah. my PC yet, but on the app, I have not updated it through um through you know Apple through the, the yeah. whatever. Uh, but yeah, I no, I still have the bird. So I guess I'm still on Twitter technically for today. <laughs> there you go. I got the little X now. I'm still sick of this whole thing. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. <laughs> At any rate, you can find us there. You can find us on TikTok, Instagram threads. You can find us everywhere. Uh, be sure to also, well, I'll just throw out there at golf unfiltered. You can, where you can find us. And the last thing I will say is this is the first episode that in our new agreement, Dan, uh, with believe.com B L E A V.com. Uh, it's a new platform that we are very excited to be joining. They've got over, they got so many cool shows out there with some really interesting athletes. Uh, some of the favorites that we've seen, I mean, Pac-Man Jones has a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, you and I, you and I went down. We 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 saw some names, and we were just like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And just yeah, yeah. for those of a Absolutely. certain age range, you will see some names that you're like, "Oh, that's so cool!" So yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. So uh, you may be uh, seeing some new content here in the near future, uh, but uh, you could find us over at bleav.com as well. But you could also find us in all the regular places that you find us: Apple, Spotify, and what have you. So Dan, it was nice speaking with you again. Uh, let's hope that we don't have some new earth shattering golf news this week i kind of need a break <laughs> maybe we can go one week without not that this one was an emergency podcast but maybe we can go one week without having to even float the idea of an emergency podcast that would be that'd be nice true that 